Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Ralph Regal is a good friend of the Limerick Today show, always very generous with his time, and uh, he is a correspondent uh, with the Irish Independent uh, in the southern region, and uh, he also, you will remember, uh, co-wrote with uh, Tracy Corbett uh, the uh, book about um, her brother Jason and uh, his awful murder in the US. Uh, Well, he's looking now at a a separate case uh, in his latest book, and that is uh, the Sophie Toscan Du Plantier case in West Cork in uh, the 90s and the book is called A Dream of Death and Ralph is on the line. Good morning to you Ralph. Good morning. Talk to me a little about um, this extraordinary uh, reason that the book is called A Dream of Death. Yeah it's one of those um, bizarre and almost eerie um, elements of a case um, Sophie Toscan de Plantier was a 39-year-old mother of one. She was a French socialite, uh, an executive within the, the, the French film industry. And she had fallen in love with Ireland. And in particular, she'd fallen in love with West Cork. And she had a holiday home at Tourmore, which is just outside Skull. Very, very isolated place. I mean, we're talking, I'd say, four kilometres from the main road. The house is effectively built on a mountainside. Spectacular views out over the West Cork um, countryside. Beautiful in summertime and very isolated in wintertime. And what had happened was she had come to Ireland for a brief holiday on her own on December the 20th, 1996. She brought with her some books. She went to visit a couple of friends in West Cork and she was attacked in the early hours of December the 23rd, 1996. Now, it appears that she had heard a noise outside her property. She may have gone to answer the door or she may have gone to investigate. But whatever happened, she was confronted and she she ran for her life. Unfortunately, she only made it about 100 metres downhill when her clothing got snagged on barbed wire. And really, that was the only opportunity that her her killer needed. He caught up with her and he subjected her to a horrific um, attack. There was an incredible level of violence um, suffered by this poor lady um, before she died. And what was the, the title of the book comes from the fact that when she was in her house, probably just an hour or two before her death, she was reading a collection of poems by William Butler Yeats. And the book was found open at the page of a poem called A Dream of Death. And the funny thing is that the the dream of death that Yeats wrote about involved a person dying in a strange land, which is pretty much exactly what had happened to Sophie. Mm. I dreamed that one had died in a strange place near no accustomed hand. Exactly. And that is exactly what had happened to this poor woman. I suppose why it's gotten such a high profile over the years, um, I mean, usually cases like this, they'll get a bit of publicity if they're unsolved around the time of the anniversary or if there's a particular guard appeal. But this case probably is getting more publicity now than it did back in, you know, 96, 97, 98. For the simple reason, there has been an extraordinary number of developments in it. I mean, we're talking about there there was an individual arrested twice uh, in connection with this case. He was released without charge on both occasions. A man by the name of Ian Bailey, who's a West Cork-based, British-born, but West Cork-based poet, journalist, um, Bowron maker, um, New Age landscape gardener and he was arrested in 97 and 98 released without charge on both occasions and there's been an incredible number of cases involving um, Mr Bailey and this particular man
matter. In 2003, Mr Bailey sued eight Irish and British newspapers for defamation arising from their coverage of the case and their dealings with him as part of that whole coverage. Then he took a wrongful um, arrest case to the High Court against the state, alleging that he had been wrongfully arrested on both occasions. He lodged a major complaint to the Garda Síochána Ombudsman Commission that led to a multi-year review of the handling of the case by the force in West Cork. He's currently preparing a case to the European Court of Human Rights. And what most of your listeners will probably know best and most recently about this case is that, of course, Mr. Bailey was the focus of a 10-year-long investigation by the French police. Now, that was launched when the French realised that there was not going to be any prosecution um, here in Ireland. In 2001, the Director of Public Prosecution reviewed the Garda case file and basically made the decision that there was a lack of evidence, there had been a lot of problems with the investigation, and there was no basis for further action. So the French then took their own um, investigation that was led by a magistrate called Patrick Gachon, and that investigation ultimately recommended further action. The French courts endorsed that further action, and last May in Paris, there was a week-long murder trial um, of Ian Bailey. Now, he was tried in absentia. He refused to go to France. He had twice um, successfully fought extradition attempts by the French, but he was convicted last May and received a 25-year prison sentence and a fine of almost a quarter of a million euros. And he is now in the middle of a major battle uh, against a third extradition bid by the French, and that's due before the High Court next month. Okay, Ralph Regal is talking to us about his book A Dream of Death, about the Sophie Toscan Duplantier case, and we'll chat some more after the short break. Limerick today now on 461995. We're chatting to Ralph Regal about his book A Dream of Death about the Sophie Toscan Duplantier case. Um, you know, it is uh, an infamous case in Ireland and a lot of people listening will know about it to some extent and some will have looked at it in great detail and it raises all sorts of conflicting views and emotions, doesn't it? Including uh, people wondering about uh, the French approach to this, uh, you know, a case uh, against a man uh, um, uh, where no charges uh, were ever brought in Ireland where uh, this uh, murder took place. You're right, Joe. I mean, it, it's one of those cases where I mean, you'll see cases that, that constantly come back into the headlines, and that's usually because they're unsolved or because there are one or two things that, that kind of trigger public interest. But, I mean, this case is, is just off the scale in terms of the sheer number of issues. You have problems with the original investigation. You have the level of violence. You have the fact that um, no one has ever been charged here in Ireland. And then, of course, you have the international dimension. And as you say, I mean, we're looking at judicial history for, this, for the simple reason that you have a crime that occurred in the Irish jurisdiction, you have a criminal prosecution that was taken in France over that crime, and you have an individual at the centre of it who is a, was born in the UK, who's a member of another European country. And the, the big question that's going to... I mean, I don't think anyone doubts but the fact that whatever happens in the High Court, that this will inevitably end up before the Supreme Court. And the question to be asked is, will, will the Supreme Court or will the Irish courts extradite someone to another European jurisdiction um, to serve a sentence for a crime that actually occurred here and that the Irish judicial system 
decided there wasn't enough evidence to prosecute over. So it raises enormous and very fundamental questions going forward. Is it true that the law the French have used to do this goes all the way back to Napoleon's time and it was in essence an effort to ensure that people from France who were colonisers, if a crime was committed against them, the person who did it could be tried back in France? Yeah, the French were at quite pains to stress that no, that this was under modern legislation, but in essence, yes. I mean, the very fundamentals of the French legal system is the Napoleonic Code. And it's, again, it's a very important, it's a very different legal system, um, for instance, to, to the Irish system. Our legal system is very much inherited from um, crown days. So it's very much an Anglo-Saxon model where evidence has to be tested, um, witnesses can be interrogated, and there's very, very strict rules in terms of how a trial is conducted. So in many cases, um, for instance, if a a person gives a statement and that person subsequently dies, except in very extraordinary circumstances, that statement is not going to be used because that person cannot then be cross-examined. But none of those difficulties occur in, in France. And I suppose an important point to make as well is that the French are not looking for an extradition on the basis of the commencement of a sentence. The French are saying that if they get the extradition that they require, that will be for an entirely new trial because on the basis that while Mr. Bailey has been convicted before this three-magistrate trial in Paris, they intend to conduct another and but, prosecute another trial. But Ralph, it, I mean, are we entitled, for example, if the situation was reversed, to do the same thing in an Irish court? No. No. It's a very different... I mean, you're talking... In, in essence, it's like night and day. The Napoleonic Code gives an enormous amount of power to the magistrates involved. And the magistrates can use their discretion and they can apply common sense rather than very, very strict rules of evidence which apply in an Irish court. So that's why I think this one has really gotten the attention that it has over the last um, two years to three years once it became clear that the French were going to prosecute. Now, Mr. Bailey has always said that he believed he was convicted ever before the French began their trial. He has said that he will fight tooth and nail against any attempt to extradite him. And as I said, he's already flagged that he's talking about taking a case to the European Court of Human Rights on the basis of the entitlement of one state to conduct a prosecution over a matter that occurred in the judicial area of another EU member state. Uh, Right. Uh, And uh, finally for now, Raph, there's so much in your book and at the heart of this, and it must never be forgotten, was the terrible murder by someone of Sophie Toscan de Plantier um, and the fact that nobody has ever been charged, not to mention convicted of it. But, you know, I, I mean, Ian Bailey, I think maybe by his own admission, would say that he is perceived as an unusual character. But is he not entitled to the presumption of innocence? Oh, he is, as every single person is entitled to the presumption of innocence. And that's very much the basis of the, the defamation actions that he took back in 2003 um, was a, a significant element of the, the wrongful arrest um, argument that he made in 2004 and 2005. And, you know, the awful part of this is that while all of this has played out, um, Sophie's parents, you know, they, they, they travel to West Cork almost every December while they're held to allow the Gardaí and the DPP here to sanction some type of a charge. And, of course, that never happened. And Against one of the someone. Most, 
against someone, against anyone, because all they want really is justice for their daughter. And one of the saddest parts of this is I remember interviewing Georges and Marguerite um, Buñol, Sophie's parents, in West Cork, and through an interpreter, because Marguerite doesn't speak an awful lot of English, through an interpreter she said that her worst nightmare was that herself and her husband would pass away and not live to see justice done for their daughter. Okay. All right. Fascinating. Uh, thank you, Ralph Regal. Always great to talk to you. Uh, Ralph's book is A Dream of Death on the Sophie Toscan Duplantier murder. Call Limerick today now on 461995.